Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Chance, and my guests, yes, plural, uh, today I've got Jason Falls and DJ Waldo, and they are, among other things, the authors, co-authors of a book we're going to talk about today, The Rebel's Guide to Email Marketing, Grow Your List, Break the Rules, and Win. So, Jason, DJ, Welcome. Thanks for having us. Hello, hello. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, talk over each other. That's what you're supposed to do. Um, but no, none of this, <laughs> none of this dead air. Okay, you know, waiting for the other person to talk. Um, so let's let's get right into it. You know, I. Uh, it's funny. Uh, there was a period of time um, when social media really started to get hot three or four years ago. That everybody was saying, "Oh, don't need email anymore." Um, I certainly chuckled at that, of course, because I'd been doing email for a long time. Uh, but uh, I think that I'm seeing more and more of kind of the, the, the line of thinking that you guys are putting out there that uh, not only is email not dead, it's perhaps um, an essential link in making any of this stuff work. So uh, give me kind of your thinking on uh, on the email is dead meme. Yeah, I can, uh, well, I can start with that so we're not talking over each other. Um, okay. <laughs> so, so. Yeah, I mean it's funny. I've been I've been in the email industry in the space for about eight years. Uh, I worked with a couple of different email providers, um, and then I've since gone out on my own. But you know, it, it's it's funny. It, it just it does make me chuckle too every time somebody says email is dead. And we talk about this in the book. There was an article in uh, the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I think it was 2009 that said you know email is dead or, or something along those lines. And and of course, the best part about it is it was the most emailed article of the day on Wall Street Journal. So, um, somewhat of an ironic twist there. But you know, there's there's so many studies out and that, that talk about email not only being dead, but actually more and more people using email now than they ever have before, especially as a means to get marketing or promotional type messages. And so, um, you know, we've certainly found, and again, we talk about in the book that that far from dead. In fact, one other quick anecdote on that, I, I always like to start off um, different events when people talk about email being dead is I ask them, you know, when, when was, a, you know, if you, if you sent or received an email in the last week, and of course, everybody's hand goes up. And I said, you know, same question in the last 24 hours, everybody's hand goes up. And I said, how many people have sent or received an email in the time that I've done this presentation so far? And, you know, still half the people have their hands up. So uh, I think there's some proof there that email is far from dead. Well, well and I think I would add to that simply that um, uh, the Direct Marketers Association still classifies email marketing as the most valuable digital channel in terms of return on investment. I think it's hovering around $41, $42 per dollar spent uh, return uh, on on investment in email marketing, and that's like 20 bucks ahead of, um, of you know, SEO or pay-per-click, which is, I think, second. So... It's where you are going to get the biggest bang for the buck. Well, and it's it's funny. The um, there was a period of time when, of course, a lot of folks really burst onto the scene in social media. Had a hundred thousand Twitter followers, and you know whatever other numbers we might track, um, and they couldn't make any money um, because they didn't have a mailing list. And a lot of the old older school marketers, you know, were still doing quite well, uh, even though they really maybe in some cases uh, had not embraced social media. Now, I'm a, obviously a big fan of social media, but I, I really think the lesson in that is is that um, it's certainly the integration of all of these tools uh, that makes it work. But there's no question that from a straight selling standpoint, um, you know, nothing works like an email list, 
of people that want to get your emails. <laughs> I think it's probably the most valuable <laughs> asset you can have. Well, I think I think too, John. That's that's the key. Is you're talking about people who have, uh, you know, not only raised their hand and said they want your email, they've taken you know the extra step. I mean, we we all know it's pretty easy to click like on a page, a Facebook page. It's pretty easy to click follow on Twitter. Uh, or subscribe to somebody's YouTube feed or whatever the case is. Those those are pretty easy things to do, you know, to, to, to take it a step further, to actually give somebody your email address and to, you know, to lack of a better phrase, to invite them into your email inbox is a little bit more uh, a deeper level of commitment. Um, in the title you have, or in the subtitle, I should say, uh, break the rules. So uh, I think you're suggesting that, you know, we've all agreed here that it's it's a great medium, but I think you're suggesting that maybe there are some rules that have changed, um, and maybe sometimes when you need to break some of the rules. You want to talk a little about that? Yeah, sure. the 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 fun thing about writing this book was, you know, I, I had just come off of of my first book, and DJ and I were talking about this idea. And um, one of the the pre- prevailing themes from my first book was that you cannot follow these prescribed rules of people in the social media world because the the social media world hasn't been around long enough for there to really be rules. We're still experimenting. We're still trying new things. And for every quote-unquote rule that someone can throw out there, uh, there is a corresponding company that is breaking it and being successful. And so that led DJ and I down this path of, okay, well, let's talk about the quote-unquote rules of email marketing, like never use all caps in a headline, never send an email that is one big image and not some form of text, um, you know, so on and so forth. Never use the words free, you know, in, in, in your headline. Um, and we found a lot of examples, quite frankly, of companies that were violating the quote-unquote rules and yet being successful. And so we sort of took that original idea, that nugget of an idea of you've got to test, which is obviously a big thing in the email marketing world. Uh, you've got to A-B split test. You've got to test different headlines, different approaches, until you find the rules that are good for you and your audience, because what's good for you and your audience is not going to work in the banking industry or consumer product goods or retail or online retail or internet marketing. And so different audiences, different environments, and different companies are going to have different requirements of, uh, from their audience uh, in terms of what they expect and what they want to get out of their emails. Uh, you're also going to have different um, types of emails. You know, Some email marketing campaigns are all about some sort of newsletter, which is content-based. And then other email marketing campaign, campaigns like you know, the Groupons and Living Socials are all about some sort of coupon or deal of the day. Two very different pieces of content, and they're reacted to very differently. So we wanted to kind of take those quote-unquote rules of email marketing and break them down and say, look, in, in, they aren't the rules in every case. And what you need to do is test and, and experiment and try and see what your audience will tolerate and see what they like. Yeah, yeah and just, just to add to that, I mean, I, I think you're always going down a slippery slope when you start to say you should always do this. We're using extremes, you know, so you say you should always do this, you should never do that. Um, in fact, I just read a you know, somebody somebody sent me. You know how this works on Twitter. Somebody wants you to read some of their content, so they tag you in the in the tweet, right? So I got this. Uh, somebody wanted me to read a blog post they wrote about the, the three must dos of email marketing, and one of them is it said you must have a you must have your list be double opt in, and somebody has to confirm. And you know, 
sure, that's an approach. Um, but there's there's risks of doing a double opt-in uh, email campaign and might get some emails, might get lost. Um, might, somebody might not actually click on confirm. I mean, there's a whole host of things can happen. So I think I think what Jason and I were trying to get across in this book was it's not, you know, there, there are these best practices. And, and the reason Jason, I think, keeps on using air quotes is that there's things that the industry has, people in the industry have been preaching for years and years and years. And the reality is that might be the overarching theme. That might be what, what they would recommend, but it doesn't work in all cases. And you have to be willing to, to try some things and test some things. And, and as Jason said, you've got to find out what works best for your audience. Yeah, I think sometimes too. There's plenty of examples in this in marketing. You know, sometimes just going bucking the 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 conventional wisdom is is you know a pretty proven way to stand out too. So let let's talk about lists. Um, obviously, if you know somebody's starting out or somebody's really this is fairly new concept to them, uh, and they haven't built a, spent a lot of time building a list, um, even though we're all in agreement that. We send more email maybe than we ever did. We read more email than we ever did. Uh, people certainly are also getting more sensitive to uh, giving up their email address because we all get so much spam uh, as, as well. So um, what are some of the things that you cover to, to really help people understand, you know, what it takes to, to build a list? Yeah, I think there's there's a couple things. I think the first thing you've got to be aware of is that you're, there's this concept of list churn. In other words, you know, while you're constantly um, building your list, it's kind of the, the, the um, what's the analogy of you've got a, a little bit of a hole, you know, a leak in your, in your bucket. So in other words, every time you're trying to grow your list, you've got people who are constantly unsubscribing, they're marking your messages as spam. Um, they're not doing anything with your email, but they're still subscribed, what we would call, um, what is it, what's the term for it? Um, unemotionally subscribed. So basically people are on your list who have not taken any kind of action right. in a long period of time. And so, you know, you constantly have to be filling the top of that funnel because you're going to be, you're going to be losing subscribers. We talk about in the book, a lot of, a lot of different ways to grow your list. I still think first and foremost, and, and this is going to sound silly, but I think the biggest opportunity and the biggest missed opportunity is making it front and center on your website or your blog, giving people an option to subscribe. And, and you would be surprised. I mean, I, I, I do this little experiment. If you pick, you know, just pick five random companies and you go to their website, I bet on several of them, you're not going to be able to even find where you can go to opt into their email list. Yep. And if you can find it, you still, it's a difficult process. It's like, you know, fill out 14 fields and tell me your mother's maiden name and create an account and all this stuff. Well, you know, we're asking a lot of things to get on somebody's email list. Yeah, you better you better be offering something really valuable before I'm going to give you, you know, my history of sales and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah and I would I would I would add to that the the other thing that that I have have begged my clients over the years uh, to deal with, and this is not just inclusive of email marketing, but also of your Facebook page or Twitter account, when you ask someone to opt in or subscribe or you ask someone to like you on Facebook or follow your blog or whatnot, don't just ask them. Give them a reason why they should. You know, make it make it appealing to them. It's one thing to put a big, you know, Twitter logo or Facebook logo on your advertisement and say, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, uh, or subscribe to our email list. But it's another thing to say, hey, subscribe to our email list because if you do Every Thursday, you're going to get a special 
coupon, a special deal, a special word of wisdom from our CEO or whatever. Give them a reason to do it, and, and you'll probably have a hell of a lot more success. Yeah, I'm, I've been doing And the this. reason to be short yeah, sorry, go ahead, John. No, well, I was just going to say, I've been doing this long enough to remember when people used to have sign our guest book. Yeah. Yeah, you guys aren't old enough for that, are you? But uh, <laughs> I know, yeah. I've sit at some bed and, sit at some bed and breakfast, so I know I, I've, I've signed some guest books in my day. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know, I was just going to add, too, the, the incentive can be a more long-term, like, here's the value you're going to get if you subscribe going forward, but... There's nothing wrong with dropping something in there like a free ebook or free, you know, some kind of incentive, you know, uh, something to kind of get you um, to get that hook to get you excited about getting the email. And then, of course, your job as an email marketer is to continue to provide value so people stay on your list and engage and, and et cetera. You, um, there's an area in the book where you talk about um, uh, calls to action, of course, a big, huge thing. But, but you also, I was interested. You talk about secondary and tertiary calls. That it's, it's kind of, a, it's the ultimate sort of funnel approach, isn't it? That, that, okay, I, here's, here's why you ought to give me your email address. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you something immediately. You know, if you act. Uh, but how do you then take advantage of that sort of long term? Because, in some cases, all I'm gonna get is something free. An ebook or something, right? So how do you how do you kind of continue to deepen that relationship and move it to where it becomes where, where you go into lead conversion um, aspect? Because you know you see a lot of people that do these. Hey, sign up, get this free ebook, and then immediately they start pounding you with you know buy this, buy this. Um, and I and I think that there there definitely are people that do it, um, in, you know, in much more of a relationship building way. So how do you how do you use email to kind of move? I mean, obviously we all still want to sell something. So how do you use it to move people? kind of logically to the point where they want to engage enough to buy. Yeah, I, I'd say you've got you to do a balance. Um, you know, I, I've seen plenty of emails where all it is is delivering content that's, you know, what I would call free content, valuable content. Um, and I've seen the other extreme where all it is, as you said, John, is just sell, 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 and buy my stuff, click this link. Um, I, I'm a big believer in, you know, you, you got to sort of, you got to earn that trust and earn that respect. So in order to do that, um, you know, you have a couple emails that are just value only with maybe a soft sell. So that's sort of like this equivalent of a main call to action and secondary tertiary. Um, and then you can, and then once you've earned that trust and earn that, you know, people, your subscribers believe that they're getting value, then it's okay to hit them with an occasional, you know, single call to action type email. I mean, perfect example, I'm, I'm hosting a webinar next week and, you know, I send to my list once a week. I send every every Friday. It's called the Waldo Social Weekly, and it's kind of curated email marketing content that I had seen from the previous week. Well, just today, I sent out an email that was dedicated to plugging this webinar that I'm hosting next week. Now, sure, I might get a couple unsubscribes from it, but I've hopefully built up enough trust with my subscribers to say, okay, you know, you're not doing this every week. You're not asking us to buy something every single week or sign up for something. But if you do it every once in a while, that's okay. I can I can I can take that and, and um you know hopefully we'll get some some more registrants from that particular email. Let's talk about, you know, it's become pretty standard fare, I think, for content producers 
bloggers to talk about editorial calendars. Um, is there a place for, as I heard you talking about, it's okay to, you know, once in a while do this or every Friday I do this. I mean, is there a place in your mind for a marketer to, to have an editorial calendar kind of approach to their sort of long-term email picture? I think it's almost imperative. Um, you know, if you if you want to, if you think about it, and this is a, a theme that, that keeps coming up over and over again uh, here in the you know the last month or two, even uh, at marketing conferences and events that I've been to, um, we're starting to get to the point to where content marketing of any sort is becoming, um, you know, people, uh, marketers and brands are wanting more and more information about how to become a good content marketer. And so the thing that you keep hearing, the theme that keeps recurring is in order to be a good content marketer, you've got to be a good storyteller. And it's not just a singular snapshot story that you're telling. It's an, an overall story that you're telling about your brand, the narrative that you are weaving in and out of your customers' lives. And that almost requires you to sit down and say, okay, um, is are, are there things that I need to be thinking about in terms of building out content that's going to take me a while. So I need to plan two, three, four months down the road, maybe even six months down the road. Are there seasonalities uh, and changes in the, the time of year that I can be taking advantage of? Is my business subjective to, um, you know, winter, summer, spring, fall, Christmas, Hanukkah, you know, so on and so forth. And so I think it's almost imperative to sit down and build out editorial calendars for almost any type of content channel you have understanding i agree with dj that that occasionally you can you know throw something in there that's not exactly on the calendar that wasn't exactly planned um in fact really good content marketers have a plan and a formula and they know exactly what they're going to post and when or what they're going to send and when and then when something happens in in the news even you know some sort of um, you know, news event, you, you can try to shift and, and throw out content that capitalizes on that if it's appropriate. So I think editorial calendaring is um, probably, it's more imperative the more deep your content goes. So if you've got an email newsletter as opposed to a weekly deal campaign, I think it's almost, really, I think it's almost required that you sit down and map out your content strategies and, and be working toward, you know, telling that narrative over time. Let's talk about. I'll just add to that. Yeah, go ahead. Add to that. I mean, I think it obviously depends if you're B two B or B two C space. But I think we've been talking a lot about B two B for the most part. But I'm thinking about you know a company I I follow a lot in the B two C space is a a t-shirt company called Busted Tees, and they do all sorts of like funny stuff on t-shirts. And you know, Mm -hmm. talking about, I'm sure they have a calendar that says, okay, I mean, because I get their emails. You know, they do this deal the day now too. But all these other, you know, these t-shirts. But at the same time. They do very timely T-shirts. So if something crazy happens in the news, they'll have a T-shirt made for it, and that email will go out the very next day. And so they're capturing the news of the day on a T-shirt, essentially. And clearly, that's not something that was part of the editorial calendar, but they built in times where they said, okay, if this happens, we're ready to go with an email. We've got a template built. We're just literally plugging in a shirt um, that will work for it. Um, let's talk about segmenting. Um Again, we're, we're probably getting going deeper and deeper into uh, uh, various strategies. But uh, how important is it to be able to say, "Hey, this this little this little group of my list that did X is the only group that's going to get this email." And, and I mean, that's a really simple example. But um, is that something that uh, that you would say is an essential practice? If if you have the data to do it, then 
certainly. Uh, I think a lot of marketers, unfortunately, um, they, they, they aren't collecting that information up front. They don't, or they don't have it linked into the CRM system or, or something. So they don't know exactly, they don't know enough about their subscribers. And so they treat every subscriber the same, but Hey, I'm all, I'm a big believer. If you can send, if you have the ability to do it, every single person on your list gets a different type of email based on the way they've interacted with your emails in the past, based on what they've purchased, based on webinars that they've um, attended. And, and the reality is all this stuff is possible with automation. Right. I mean, you can you can do you can use different systems that basically say if somebody clicks on this list, add them to or this link, add them to this list. If they've downloaded a white paper before, they're part of this group or or immediate. You know, as soon as they register for a webinar, they get a certain email with a custom link in it. So um, it's a long way of saying yes. Yeah, and I would I would not only agree with that, but I would sort of pull back and add this to it segmentation allows you to simply be more relevant to each audience member. And I've talked before about sort of the relevancy bullseye. If you can hit the relevant audience with a relevant message at a relevant time and in a relevant location, you have a much higher degree of, of success, a percentage of success possibility in in delivering what it or, or persuading them to do whatever it is you want them to do, whether it's to buy or download or subscribe or respond, whatever it is, if you can hit that relevancy bullseye, um, then you're going to have a much higher success rate. And segmentation allows you to say, and, and think of it in terms of a department store. Let's say you're in a, a Target or a JCPenney or a Sears. Um, you know, they're not going to send a blast, and hopefully they're not going to send a blast email out to um, every customer they have in their database that talks about the uh, new uh, fall women's line of clothing, right? Because if it's a male in their database, that's not going to be relevant. Um, so if they segment it though and send the men's line of clothing to men and, you know, the outdoor wear to the outdoor type and the, you know, women's fashion to the, those who are interested in women's fashion, then they have a much higher degree of success. So take that analogy and put it into your business. Do you have differentiations in segments and in, in the types of customers you have and, and, message to them with your emails yeah and, and i would flip that around a little bit i <clears throat> i think not only are the people getting it more relevant but if you're just blasting everybody i mean i'm when i get that e that email that has a woman's code in it um and I, I won't name any names but i get those all the time from from really big brands mm -hmm. uh, it makes me less likely to open the next email regardless of what it is uh, so I, I think you do damage sure. that way as well um, let's end up on one uh, um, question that that I know a lot of people uh, do uh, have an interest in and and you know are still trying to wrap their heads around and how do we integrate email and social I mean is there a right way to do it is there a prescription for doing it or is it uh, simply a matter of uh, you know every case is different um, I, I think there's there are there's some things that, you know it's funny and we talk about in this book it's kind of like what Jay said at the beginning of this this podcast is that you know social media is new enough where there aren't really established best practices well I, I would sort of say the same thing is the case for the integration between email and social there's you know people are still trying to do things and I do things and trying to figure out what works what I find doesn't work for the most part is very similar to what doesn't work offline or in traditional media is where you just slap up a Facebook, the Facebook logo or the Twitter icon somewhere and just assume people know what to do when they see it. Um, you know, I walk by buildings all the time. I'm sure you guys do the same thing and you just see or, or, you know, television ads where 
the Facebook icon flashes on the screen for all of two seconds. Yeah, or, and or what parking, or parking lots. Like, you know, I went the other day, I was signing on a parking lot, follow us on Facebook. I was like, what? What am I going to follow my parking lot for? <laughs> but anyway, that's another right, story. Exactly. <laughs> uh, not only that, but it, it goes back to Jason's point of like, okay, well now, okay, why should I follow you or what should I do? And all, all those different things play in too. But um, I think... I think within email, it's a similar type of story because yep. I'm seeing so many markers that it just just plop in this this Facebook or Twitter icon, or even just say share this. Well, tell me why I should share. What is there an incentive for me to share it? Uh, reason that I should follow you on Facebook? What's what's the, what am I going to get by doing that? Um, and so I wouldn't say it's necessarily a best practice, but I would say you know just everything we've been talking about, you've got to provide value. You've got to tell people why they should follow or like or uh, or share your newsletter with somebody else. Well, you know, it's funny, too, is um, I've seen some great examples where I, I think there is that sort of the human brain wants to know why. I mean, it's not even it's not even that it has to be a great reason. <laughs> they just kind of want an explanation. I've seen people be very successful with, you know, follow us and then, you know, we'll think more fondly of you. You know, something, something ridiculous like that, and then it's all of a sudden it's like, you know, that at least gives me a connection. Okay, that's, you know, I can deal with that. Uh, but I do think we want to know, we, I think the human brain just wants to know why you want me to do something. All right, guys, this has been great. The Rebel's Guide to Email Marketing, Grow Your List, Break the Rules, and Win. DJ and Jason, hopefully we'll we'll run into you uh, somewhere out there on the road. I know you're both uh, crisscrossing the country doing conferences and all those kind of things to to uh, help uh, help those small business owners, big business owners, uh, marketers uh, grow their businesses. So always great chatting with you. All right, thanks, thanks John. John.